good record, good through and through listen. The um, it's not it's not a dreadfully optimistic title and a lot of songs. Howdy. And welcome to this episode of the Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like podcast. This is a series of conversations with artists, singer-songwriters about their current projects, and industry people about some of the current trends. The program is hosted and produced by myself, Bruce Swan, and the podcast will endeavor to be a bridge from the weekly live concert series to the weekly radio show. And while unaffiliated, they are connected with the sharing of the same name, music my mother would not like. And you can find more information about the weekly series and the radio programs at my website, musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. The radio show can be heard live on WSFM LP, 103.3 FM, Asheville, North Carolina. And it can also be heard live on AshevilleFM.org. And the programs are archived on the website as well. This program airs on Mondays from 4 to 6 p.m. And the weekly series with the same name can be heard and seen on Zoom and Facebook on Tuesday nights. You can get more information on the website and on my Facebook page with the same name. And the registration for the series is always free. It's a donation-based event, and that's how the artists are paid. These podcasts will vary in length. Many of the episodes will continue will come from interviews conducted live from the radio station or via telephone and now via Zoom. Nothing was ever taken out of context and may be updated if it's possible and appropriate. The opinions expressed will be those of the speakers and not necessarily of any of the radio stations that I have been lucky enough to be affiliated with over the years, its owners, staff, or boards of directors. You can support this project directly through the website's PayPal account. In time, there will be a Patreon account. that will have heads up on articles and interviews, etc. And if you're digging what you're listening to, please tell a friend. It means so much. Coming from you, that's solid advice. If you'd like to support the show and you'd like a shout-out, of thanks, let me know in the PayPal comment section. I'll be sure to say hello to you. Please remember to indicate that you are sending this donation as a gift to a friend. In the comments, let me know where you're listening from. I won't use last names unless you say it's okay to do so. Any little bit helps, and if I've learned anything from my years in community radio, is that lots of big things will get done when many hands chip in a little. Think about the cost of a cup of coffee at your local favorite spot, and maybe... You're listening while you're sipping. I'm glad to be keeping company with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Big thanks to my sponsors of the program, Eight Conversations that Music My Mother Would Not Like. We are currently enjoying the benefits of being connected with and sponsored by hearitthere.com and undiscoveredmusic.net. Over the years, I've had the opportunity to get to know many musicians and industry people. The musicians are often the band's principal singer, or in the case of a singer-songwriter, the only person with whom the conversation is with. I've also been privileged to get to know other radio personalities, directors of festivals, owners of venues, record promoters, and producers. And many of the conversations were to promote a single event, like a local concert or a discussion about a new album with a deep dive into that project. I find that sometimes as a listener, knowing a little bit more about the artist as a person makes going to the concert just that much more interesting. It does for me. It takes a little bit of probing on my part and a little bit of work. 
Conversations are just as much about listening as it is about talking. Would your business, firm, company, project, whatever, like to meet other cool people like yourself? Maybe you'd like to become a sponsor of the program, working with people that think like you, or have a shared common interest is the key to getting things done. You can write to me at the website, musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. This episode of Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like is one with one of my true heroes in the music world. He's a prolific, insightful, and always wears his heart on his flannel shirt. There's a grit to his music that always seems to resonate with me. The stories in his songs play out in my mind's eye, and this week I'm talking with Charlie Parr, a singer-songwriter from Minnesota, an artist that I hold in the highest of regard. This week with Charlie Parr, we'll be chatting about his album, Last of the Better Days Ahead, recently released on Smithsonian Records in 2021. The album was clearly one of my favorite for the last calendar year, scoring prominently on the top 10 of the top 20. Great, great record, and we're looking forward to digging deep. Growing up in the mid to late 70s, it was just not uncommon to hear half a record on one night and maybe two nights later hear the second half of the record and then the same thing back and forth on on the previous two days it was a great way to listen to record it got to the point where the dj would even say start your recording machines now yep. and he played the whole record through you know one half at a time always the pauses in between the songs not jumping from track to track and uh which is which is the norm i mean that's that's what you want to hear on the radio the song go song 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 yammer commercial song 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 etc you get you get into that rut and you get used to it but being able to hear a record one half at a time um i thought was always kind of special and i guess it's maybe one of the features of youth you take it for granted you you, you just assume that this is the way it works and it's not the way it works and and it was lucky to have been able to experience that coming up as a kid but this is your 14th record i believe if i've counted correctly since 2014 and certainly one of my last uh, calendar favorites um and it's a pleasure to welcome you back to the program i've i've had the privilege of getting to know you and interviewing you several times over telephone and, and zoom and in person and it's it's good to be hanging with you so thanks so much for for spending couple minutes with us and sharing the record it's a good record oh, thanks bruce thanks for having me i appreciate it all good stuff um you know we'll be we'll be hanging for a couple of bits and pieces chatting about this as a compendium the record last of the better days on smithsonian again just released recently released good record good through and through listen the um it's not it's not a dreadfully optimistic title and a lot of songs <laughs> You know, I mean, it really kind of kind of paints a, a glum picture. Last of the better days ahead, because we always say, you know, good times are coming or better days are just ahead. And and you, you've really put um, kind of a bookend to it. Uh, well, the, the, the title is a reaction to that saying, actually, <laughs> you know, that always with the better days ahead. It's it's got to do with uh, uh, that kind of that kind of a. Uh, you know, live in the moment kind of philosophy. When we talk about the better days are coming, you're never talking about the day that's here now. And I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the moment that I'm living in uh, rather than kind of, you know, banking on 
what the, the great thing that's coming down the road is always like it's free beer tomorrow it's never here you know yeah and that that starts to eat at you after a while and you keep hearing it and hearing it um so i think the title was kind of a reaction to to that uh, i've 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 you know in really really tried to get myself into the present moment and and be a more kind of um uh, you know immediate person and and that's that's part of that whole journey too you know uh yeah it's but there's some some pretty tough songs on this certainly opus everyday opus is is uh very tough and last of the better days there's there's some rays of optimism in there but it's not it's a good listen but it's not an easy listen and i think that maybe that's really emblematic of life that it, that that for most of us it's it's a pretty good thing some days are better than others and you, and and uh you kind of hope things are going to get better but they are what they are you know over the years you have the theme of water that comes up it's a recurring theme um on your records and i'm talking specifically of saltwater on this this record on stealing a boat and blues for for whitefish lake 1975 and certainly on fading away were you are you have you been drawn to water are you a, a boating kind of guy because there's a lot of a lot of good imagery and a lot of stuff that comes from in and weaves in and out of the songs that is clearly you have some understanding of, of of how a boat works and and um but there's a lot of water images and a lot of a lot of boats that come in and out of your songs over the years well i mean i was i was uh you know raised in in minnesota where we you know we have a lot of lakes uh i've spent the last 22 years living you know four blocks from lake superior you know lakes and water and boats have been part of my life uh and hold kind of a strange fascination for me that's never really um diminished as i've mm. gotten older you know i can go i can go down to the shore of the lake at any time specifically i mean particularly lake superior because it's pretty powerful piece of geography I go down there anytime and i feel that same sense of um i don't know what it is energy or power or you know perspective maybe um i feel that all over again i used to go fishing with my dad when i was very young and my favorite thing to do was just kind of hang drape myself over the edge of the fishing boat and stare into the water i could do that for hours and I think dad understood that he, he liked, you know, being on the lake and, and uh, being around water too. I, I find it, um, in, you know, really profound. And, and I think you're right. When you look at certainly like like Lake Superior, uh, one of the five great lakes in Minnesota being the, the, the land of 10,000 lakes, I think, um, or so, so the license tag says, uh, <laughs> and I read somewhere that somebody thought that there was more than ten thousand. That's just what they what they reckon, but but who knows? That's a lot. Yeah, it is. But I think that there is a vastness certainly about water. There's there's a um, an infinitum about it, and yet it, it is certainly finite. But I can see the image of you sort of staring down into the water as the lines of a lake kind of there's, there's sort of this wherever you look, there seems to be these lines drawn down to the bottom, whatever the bottom is, or leading you to mm -hmm. the bottom, refraction from, from light, 
it's it's uh, it's all interesting. But I I did find it fascinating that it, that it creeps up continually um, here and there in images of water, images of boating, um, navigational. You know, head for the crook and the the tree. The first time I listened, I was like, maybe are you sitting in the tree? No, it's a it's a it's a landmark. That you mm-hmm. you you steer the boat towards this particular landmark, and we'll, we'll fish from there. Be right back with Charlie Parr. Here at There.com is an online arts publication that supports the arts and culture in the New York City tri-state area with concentrations in the Hudson Valley and Western Connecticut. Intelligent, well-written blog columns about music and the arts can also be found on the site hearitthere.com. Check it out. Consider marketing your upcoming events on hearitthere.com. H-E-A-R-I-T-T-H-E-R-E.com. You know, so many of your songs over the years... um almost read they read like short stories cheap wine comes to mind we talked about stealing a boat uh you mentioned earlier in the previous interview have you ever and, and you have taken pen to paper have you ever thought of going back to literary writing as opposed to to songwriting yeah yeah i have um but i mean that's what songwriting is for me anyway it's it, the 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 process for me begins as you know what looks like kind of a prose poem or something like that 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 you know, I chip away at until a rhythm appears and you can apply a melody to it, you know. Uh, but I have been, I've been working recently on, on, on a, a project that will turn into kind of a book of meditations um, that are tangentially related to the songs on this record. That'll um, probably carry the same title, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do. I mean, I, I I write on a regular basis. I just haven't really thought about publishing those things because it's always been part of my process to, you know, to to, to continue the process of distilling them into songs rather than stopping at what they are with their stories or whatever they are. I'm not even sure, but I've I've done that on a, on a pretty regular basis as part of a part of, you know kind of the creative process for me the um you use the word distilling bringing down and i guess that is that is an idea comes to mind you start to write about it and then maybe you go back and review it and then kind of work its way down into the distillation of a song a four-minute song um it's i i find listening to singer songwriters talk about their process and what where a song emanates from. Um, I've talked to Pete Kennedy about this from the Kennedys a couple of times, and he takes a journal to coffee shops in the city, mm-hmm. and he just sort of writes what he sees, writes what he hears, snippets of conversation. It's not an eavesdropping thing. Um, people speak loud enough that you can be heard across the room. I don't really consider that eavesdropping. But he, he says, I pick up, I just pick up little things, and I, and I jot them down, and then they sort of percolate inside my head. And then they become a song, and and I think that that is not unusual, um, but yours seems to be a, a much more expanded way of, well, of that process. Yeah, inspiration comes from everywhere. You know, I, I have uh, uh, taken in inspiration from, you know, well, I think the best the best writing advice that I ever got was, you know, you don't you don't write what you know you. St- start with what you know and you write into what you don't know and so 
you know, some little uh, spark, you know, someone in a coffee shop or, you know, uh, uh, some brief interaction with a stranger or just, you know, noticing something in the world uh, can, you know, spark this, this kind of a uh, uh, process of, you know, I, I, I have this, which is what I know. And then I'm going to take this into a direction that I have no idea what's happening. And, you know, either uh, just bluff my way through it to the end or do enough kind of research about what I'm doing to make it sound credible. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I find that, that my inspiration just comes from everywhere at all times. Um, and yeah, like you said, percolate is a good word, you know, it sits in my head and, and germinates and, and till it becomes, you know, something that's too unwieldy to make a song out of. And then you start the process of, you know, distilling or sculpting all the pieces that don't equal song until you have what's left. Does it ever get noisy? In my head? Yeah. <laughs> it's always noisy in my head. <laughs> it's a constant, it's a constant, uh, uh, you know, activity to try to keep the noise down. But, but yeah, you know, and that's, that's why that's, I think that's why I, I like to write even when it's not something I'm doing anything with, because, you know, it organizes some of that noise. And, uh, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's not noise, that's useful for songs or stories or whatever, then it's easy to throw it away after I've organized it and written it down. It won't bother me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) If they give the, give the monkey something to do, give them a task and, uh, (laughs) right. Just get them off your back. Yeah. It's good stuff. Undiscoveredmusic.net has something for everybody involved in seeing, playing, and hosting live music. It's a very well-organized website designed to help you find musicians to play at your venue, what venue the artists are playing, and when. So if you're a music buyer, player, or watcher, in person or virtual, check out undiscoveredmusic.net. Let's get into the second half of the record. Um, We talked earlier about cheap wine. It's one that comes up often in our conversation. For me, it's because of the the vivid imagery of... um, the mundaneness of life, the, the the repetitiveness of retail, of and it's emblematic, I'm sure, of, of lots of different disciplines that, that people hold. Um, I, I, I dig the fact that you give time in the song for for the littlest details, straightening out the labels, the dusty bottles, the the, the person that comes in and gives you a hard time, or the the kid that you hang the crime on. Um, I think that that is what elevates the song, and I think it helps us. It's it becomes more than a song; it becomes part of a short story or part of something that you can think about, and it resonates with you. Because I think we've all been part of, at some point or another, part of a, a mundane task that has to be done. Either you, you're doing it because you're getting paid, or or pulling weeds. And some people find things like that therapeutic. But I, I do absolutely dig the. Um, the little things, you know, and killing a badger. It took a six pack and a shotgun and just waited. Right. Well, life is made up of those little things. 
No, I think I, and that that goes back to this idea that when you promise yourself that the better days are coming, you know, you're always looking for that, you know, you're working for the weekend. I've had those jobs. I've had a ton of those jobs where you're only working for the weekend and you're doing these mundane things over and over again, you realize that when the weekend comes and it's not what you thought it was going to be. And it turns out that it sucks too, that maybe you should start paying attention to those little tiny things. And it's not about the things or the weekend. It's about your perspective, you know, I've tried really hard to change my perspective so that I could primarily concentrate on these little tiny things that make up my life, because that is my life. My life is happening right now. And, and it is made up. It's not monumental. You know, it is made up of tiny little things. I'm shoveling the snow. Now I'm washing the dishes. I'm doing this again because it snowed again and someone used a dish, you know, it's happening all over again. This is my life, you know, um, I, I found it in my own mental health, it's important to learn how to appreciate those things because this is the time that's going by, whether I like it or not. And I can't make every moment to be, you know, monumental, great, important moment. That's just not how life works. Yeah. And would you say that, that the music is cathartic for you, that it's, you know, we talked earlier about getting the noise out of your head and the things that are noisy, just, just write them, dismiss them, file them, get them out. Um, but then the other things that, that do resonate that you can't just write down on a piece of paper, file the paper and forget about it and get on to something else. But the, those things that just kind of dig in, they just don't get out. Music is the most cathartic thing in my life. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that everyone has that kind of catharsis. Uh, music has been kind of my, my, uh, I don't know, savior, touch tone, whatever, ever since I can remember. My earliest memories were of music, of my dad playing records for me when I was little. Um, it plays every day. I play music every day. I, I listen to music or I play an instrument every single day. Um, and that's been the case all of my life. I, I don't, you know, I, 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 I can't give enough credit to how it's, you know, kind of help me uh, filter that noise or change the noise or put things in perspective. Um, it's been the most cathartic thing in my life. Yeah. Um, I'm not really sure I should where to go with that, but I, I, I hear what you're saying. And you're, you say that your father spun records for you and turned you on to music. Was, was he a musician or just had an appreciation, not or just, but did he clearly had an appreciation for music. He clearly felt that it was important for mm -hmm. you to, to know this stuff, that it wasn't, that it was maybe perhaps part of your, your life's training to have an appreciation, but, but specific, was he specific about the records that he played? Um, you know, no, what was, what was no. that about? No. Uh, well, my dad wasn't a musician. He wanted to be a musician. And I think, um, and my and music was important to my mother too. And I think maybe that was part of the fuel behind, you know, I had opportunities to, to try to play instruments or try to take lessons. I was not a good student, but, um, and the records my dad had in his collection just ran the gamut. It was a weird record collection um, that contained, you know, very old country music all the way back to like Jimmy Rogers, 78s and up to Johnny Horton and Johnny Cash and, um everything in between it had uh a, a little bit of early rock and roll there was a you know classical records in there there was a couple broadway records in there uh 
sing along with Mitch was in there for some reason. Uh, and we listened to all of it. He, he just grabbed stacks of records, you know, uh, uh, dad, the, the record, it was shambolic, insane looking collection of records. Half the covers were gone. It was not organized or well cared <laughs> for. The record player itself was this massive old Magnavox console thing from the early sixties, I suppose it, you know, AM tuner and a turntable, you know, and he would grab five or six records just randomly put them on the changer, you know, those old record changers and listen through and then flip them over and listen to the other sides in no particular order. And when sing along with Mitch came along, you just hey, let you listen to it with everything else. You know, you didn't skip anything. He listened to everything. And when records came into the house and went into that weird pile, there they were. You know, I picked out the ones that I liked the best. I was, a, you know, I was a huge fan of uh, blues artists like Mans Lipscomb and Lightning Hopkins. And, you know, he had an Albert King record in there. Oh, my God. You know, I was I, that that record drove drove me. It was amazing. Um, but he didn't seem to, you know, he I remember when I was a teenager and I started to find my own kind of, you know, the music that that spoke to me most clearly when I was 13, 14 years old was, was music of, of the clash, uh, sure. the dead Kennedys, you know, uh, um, black flag, who's do Minutemen, whatever. And I remember him coming into my room and I was playing that first clash record that I had so hard to find in a little town. You know, I had to travel 45 minutes away to a larger town with a record store with an import section and buy an import copy of that first Clash record, that green one, brought it home, put it on the record player. My dad comes into my room and sits down, listens to the whole thing, smiling and nodding along. And I'm like, you like this? You know, it's punk rock. Genres seem to make no sense to the man whatsoever. He's like, no, this is good. I like this. Is you know, these guys have a lot of power, you know, and he got up and walked out and it was it you know it said something to me about you know don't 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 mistake you know don't don't make the mistake of of uh, of of paying attention to genre you know pay attention to music first you know categorize it later if you need to categorize it at all i think that's, that's fantastic because by comparison um my parents had very little tolerance or patience for the music i enjoyed my father gave himself a Christmas present to me. It was a set of headphones. <laughs> <laughs> headphones bothered my dad. He would, I had a set of headphones. He'd come in my room and he, it was quiet. It was too quiet in the house. Come in my room, I'd listen to headphones. He'd come up and he'd grab one, you know, those old giant ones sure. you know, with a curly cord come out of them. Come up and grab one side of it and put his head down. What are you listening to? And uh, he wanted to hear it, you know, he done, or he'd unplug it from the stereo so he could hear what was happening. He, you know, he loved music. He loved sound around him. He, he liked it all, you know. Uh, so I, you know, I felt lucky to, to have him in my life to teach me those lessons, you know. One of my favorite questions to ask people, and I guess I'm, I already have the answer, but the name of the program, of course, is Music My Mother Would Not Like. And we just, we just touched on that a moment ago. Were your parents, I, I would imagine they were, completely supportive of you uh, getting turned on to performing music and playing music. Um, when you decide to make it your profession, what was their, what was their reaction? Uh, well, you know, I never really decided to do that. Uh, 
my dad was gone by the time I started doing that. Um, when I was young, you know, he, my, my, my parents both worked in a packing house. They were both laborers and it was uh, hard on their bodies and they worked long hours and they worked a lot, you know, so um, I didn't have a lot of time to spend with them. You know, I was a latchkey child. And, uh, I remember my dad telling me when I was, you know, I dropped out of high school uh, right after ninth grade. And I remember him talking to me about, you know, uh, just that, that kind of thinning down of your options. He said, you're thinning your options down. He got pulled out of school in second grade by his own father to work, you know, um, cause they were farmers. He said, uh, he told me then he said, you know, you, you, uh, you'll find that, that if you do what you love and don't get paid much for it, you, you probably have a better life than if you, end up having to do what you hate and get probably paid about the same amount of money for it, you know, as a laborer, like he was, he didn't get a lot of money for it. I think he would have been happy, um, you know, with how my so-called career came about in a, in its very kind of organic way. Uh, I think, and my mother is happy. She's happy to see that I'm doing something that, 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 I want to do and not something that I feel like I have to do or I don't have a lot of choices about. I think very few of us get to do what we want to do. Uh, for many of us, it's, it becomes a hobby um, mm -hmm. because we can't do it well enough to or haven't figured out how to do it well enough to to get paid, to, to, to earn a living wage, to put food on the table, to put a roof over your head, let alone support somebody else. And I think when people find what they're good at and figure out how to get paid. I think that that is the ultimate professional satisfaction and probably personal satisfaction, um, more so than professional satisfaction. So, so bravo to you uh, for for sticking to it. I mean, there's a lot of tough, a lot of tough things ahead of, for musicians. It's not a, it's not a, an easy way, especially for a touring musician. And I can't mm -hmm. imagine even being a studio musician to be an easy job. Probably very rewarding and and plentiful for work if you if you're competent but that's true of, of of most most professions but um i think it's cool that your parents both supported and and were interested in what you were interested in and that um the advice of your father was was absolutely sage Free programming is not cheap to produce, and if you'd like to support this type of independent podcast, you can make a donation at musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. You'll have my gratitude, and thank you. We've talked a lot about this record and really talked about a lot of stuff that was really not completely to the record. Um, I wonder if you if might talk a little bit on, on listening to Robert Johnson. I've gotten this correct. I think that's about the only song that you plug in on and play electrically. There's, I think that's the only time we hear electric guitar. Yeah. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's the recording process for the whole record was basically the same. It's actually a lot of this record is done on the same couple of guitars. This particular track, what we were doing was we were splitting the signal into a couple of different amplifiers. One was affected and a little more overdriven and the other one was pretty clean. 
we mixed a little heavier to the overdrive side on this song because it just felt right. It's a, um, a mule resonator baritone guitar that I'm using for that. And it, and it just it just seemed to fit the vibe of the song. I wanted the song to sound like, you know, it was two o'clock in the morning on a on a on a humid night. <laughs> the um, you get such warmth out of those resonators. I mean, for me, I think when I think of a stereotypical resonator, you think of something that's kind of loud and brash. And um, mm -hmm. but there's a real warmth that you bring into into the instrument, really making it a, a huge part of the song. And I, I, I dig that. I think that that's, that's cool. You did say you played it on a baritone resonator. Um, is that your, one of your favorite tours or does that come on the road with you all the time? What do you, what do you typically play on stage? Yeah. Well, I don't use the, the this guitar happened to be strong as a baritone for that recording. Uh, I don't normally do that you know, cause it doesn't work for every song. And, and I find that especially being on the road, you know, I can't, I don't really have a lot of instruments. I bring a couple of things on the road with me that, that are, that are as versatile as possible. So I can use them for everything. Ideally, you know, if I could play everything on one guitar, you know, that would be probably ideal. Cause then you don't have to carry so much stuff around, but um, the, uh, the couple of guitars that I use, I, I find that they're the, the, the most versatile instruments that I've been able to find. Um, and a lot, and a lot of it comes, you know, from, from, uh, uh, you know, kind of the way you play the instrument, where your right hand falls, you know, between the saddle and the, and the, and the neck, you can change the, the, especially with a resonator guitar, you can change the, the tone of the instrument pretty dramatically. Um, you know, what you're plugging it into if you're playing it electric or where you're placing the microphone if you're not. Uh, there's just a lot of variables to try to get back to that real warm, warm sound. I don't like that real crispy kind of edgy sound. And I try to, you know, change a lot of stuff to get away from that. The, the, the strings that I use are uh, flat wound jazz strings. Uh, and they're usually tuned about a half step low to try to get away from those crispy kind of tones. I don't understand any of this. I mean, I understand what you're saying. It's, I, I speak the language, but I don't, I don't intuitively understand. And that's okay, because I think that there are people listening that are going to fully grasp the, the detailed explanation, which I think is, is fantastic. I wish I could. I wish I had the ability to... Um, to be able to play. I've, I've tried a few times and, and it's, uh, I don't know, maybe someday I'll, I'll get to it, but it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a very long story. I wish I could play. I, I can't, but I have such a, such a great appreciation for what the, the road warrior musician goes through on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And, um, I, I got talking to someone the other day about a, about a record and, and what they're, style was do they like to road test a song um before going into press and they said yeah we do the problem with that is that <clears throat> as soon as we put out a new record everybody's already heard all the songs so we get to town they say play something new and so we just did and said no we've already heard that you've already <laughs> played that we've been following you for a long time what, what so what's new and i guess that leads to the last last logical question and probably the last thing you want to hear after producing a record like this but what's next on the horizon i know that you've gone back to studio um mm -hmm. and is that the intermediary project for the next project 
Um, what's next is, well, I'm, I, like I said, I, I'm actually working on finishing this weird little book I've been writing and it'll be, it'll be published. It'll be the first thing that I've written that's going to be published. Um, and that's probably going to be coming out this year. I'll be, I'll be finishing up the next record by fall, I think. And, um, it's, you know, so far it's looking like it might be a little more upbeat than this last one, at least, <laughs> and at least, at least the vibe of it. Maybe, maybe not, not, you know, kind of lyrically, but, um, you know, the vibe of it probably going to be a little more upbeat. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's, it's a work in progress. I'm, I'm collaborating, you know, I'm doing the, the last record, I wanted to collaborate with some people and the songs really didn't feel like they were that kind of song. They really felt like songs I should be playing by myself. And so that's what I did. And, you know, I feel, I feel like it's important to kind of like pay attention, you know, to, to, to where the song seems to want to go. Uh, the songs that I'm working on now, they feel like I'm going to be able to collaborate a little bit more. And, uh, you know, some of the people that I've been sitting down with and working with, um, uh, you know, it might turn out to be a, 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 a fuller sounding record instrumentation wise with more players on it again, like I've done in the past. So I, I'm looking forward to the process. You know, once, once a record is done, it's kind of disappointing because that fun process of like thinking about it and tweaking it, you know, it's, it's the record's kind of out in the world now and you can't fix it. I mean, I can fix the songs, the songs are mine and I can take them to shows and rewrite them every night. But the record that you have in your house, I can't come over and kind of work on that anymore. It's all gone. So it's fun having a new project to, to tinker with. It's like having a shed full of bicycle parts and getting to make a new bicycle every couple of days. <laughs> if you could go back and fix any of the records, which one do you think you'd fix first to the extent that it's oh. even really broken? they're all broken they're all so broken uh i don't even know where to start i mean as i look back and and feel like a, a massive amount of regret at, at, at having put out half the stuff i put out um you know I, I i i suffer hard from that that just putting something out and then immediately feeling like ah that ain't right that wasn't right that's terrible i shouldn't have done that and then it's out there you know, and then you, you can't ignore it because people ask you questions about it. They come to shows <laughs> and buy copies of it. And what's this all about? And like, eh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I, I don't even know how to answer that. I don't know where I'd, I'd even start. I'd, I'd probably just erase the entire thing and just start from the beginning and, and, uh, and, and put out probably, you know, a, a third of the records that I actually put out in and 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 but at then you know again they'd come out and i would hate it immediately anyway so so i'm just nah i'm not gonna do any of that it's just leave it just leave it it's it is what it is i I've, i stand behind it as 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 uh, a regretful kind of a you know uh sorry about that uh, move on to the next one <laughs> Well, maybe I'm not a discriminating enough uh, critic, but I never find in your records that there are Phil songs. I mean, you can you can look at a, a bunch of records that have come out over the last two years, five years, ten years, fifty years, and there's always a couple of songs that you figure, ah, 
clearly this was to round out the vinyl and finish up that that side of the lp but i don't get that that feel with your tracks i mean there's i don't like all the songs that's that's for sure um and some of them are tougher to listen to and uh, but i never feel that like this was just we've, we've got to round out the record we've got five more minutes we've got to fill just write something stick it in there and you know maybe somebody will like it or we'll toss in a cover and you know what the heck but I've, I've, I always feel that your records are um, well put out and, and thought of, and and sure, some I like some better than others, but that's mm-hmm. that's typical of, of any art form, oh, sure. I think. You know, anything that that, that uh, you consume visually or or um, that you listen to or that you consume, you eat. Some things you like, some things you don't. That's that's mm-hmm. just the way it is. Absolutely. The, um, you talk about rounding out the, the the next record probably with some more players. Um, any chance of those coming out on the road? Have you thought that far ahead? Would you would you want to tour with a couple of other musicians? Um, yes and no. I mean, the <laughs> idea of touring with other people is problematic financially. Yeah. Because um, I'm you know I'm bound to make the same amount of money as I make it and I play by myself. Uh, and then having to take care of a group is, is expensive. You know, I know I can't, I can't really, um, afford it most of the times, Mm -hmm. unless it's a regional thing and I can get people to one place and make sure that they're fairly compensated and taken care of. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I've developed a way of traveling over the years that is, um, uh, uniquely solo. You know, I live in a little van by myself and, uh, asking any other musician to share, you know, this lifestyle isn't always a popular thing to do. I, I live kind of like a monk when I'm on the road. I tend to be very frugal, uh, stay in the stay, sleep in the van, you know. Uh, and uh, I've, I've, I, I like that lifestyle a lot. And and if I went on the road with musicians that suddenly we were not doing that, I think I'd miss it. Um, but. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm absolutely open to the idea of putting out a record with a group or a band, and doing some kind of a short tour to support the record with that group. You know, knowing that I'll miss my usual lifestyle and take a loss financially. But um, you know, I like playing with other people. I think it's fun. It's a. It's a unique conversation that you get to have. You know, playing playing music with other people is is a kind of relationship that almost defies uh, description you know it's intimate in a, in a way that that i've not experienced with any other kind of relationship mm-hmm. and, I, and i have people that i play with on a regular basis around where i live uh percussionists and and bass players and harmonica players and, and other guitar players and and i love that i, I really really do it challenges me and 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 elevates my own uh idea of playing quite a bit uh I, you don't get that when you play solo and i and i dearly love that but you know there's so many other kinds of uh, uh challenges you know when it comes to like bringing bringing those those folks out with you on the road right right yeah it's the nuts and bolts of the game and it, it is for as much art as it is it is it is business Someone has to put a key in a door that they either own 
rent, lease, or otherwise. And so there's a there's a cost um, yeah, for absolutely. everybody. When you put the key in the ignition of your of your van, to opening the door to the venue, to opening the door to the recording studio, there is there is uh, practical costs involved. Got a question for you? Can people buy this record through your website, CharliePar.com? Is that a is that a good spot to start looking? Yeah, that's 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 a great spot to start looking for it. It should be around. I don't know. Smithsonian Folkways put it out, so they have uh, apparently uh, some kind of distribution plan for it. <laughs> I'm sure they do. <laughs> you know, as, as always, it's it's a, a pleasure to to chat with you and spend some time. And I and I I know that as soon as I hang up the zoom if if one can hang up zoom as soon as the call ends the the time ends I, i'm sure i will hang up and say i wish i had talked about that and and i think maybe that's the mark of a good conversation that it leads you to to want to come back and and ask something else and you think okay well the next time i'll i'll, I'll make a note to to chat about this and that so i i do thank you for your time it's always um it's always entertaining well, likewise bruce it's great talking to you i appreciate it This was the sixth episode of the podcast series, Conversations at Music My Mother Would Not Like. You can get more information about the weekly radio shows and the weekly stream series at the website musicmymotherwouldnotlike.com. My thanks to singer-songwriter Charlie Parr and more information about him and how you can part with some of your hard-earned money and purchase one of his records is at charlieparr.com. My big thanks to our sponsors, hearitthere.com and undiscoveredmusic.net. And finally, thank you, to you for listening and helping me spread the word about these podcasts. So until next time, don't take any wooden nickels and so long for now.